the Barwon Heads Football and Netball Club and the Beach House at Barwon Heads are very proud to bring you episode 16 of The Tree on the Wing. For the first time since we started the podcast, we'd organised to record with a guest and he was unable to attend due to an illness. Nipper made a couple of calls, but at short notice, we were not able to get anyone to chat with. So he suggested that he wanted to have a chat about some of the little treasures that he'd been able to resurrect from his family archives. Since we had dedicated the time, and the old saying goes that the show must go on, thought, why not? And I'm very pleased that we went to the trouble because... Nipple was able to present a couple of absolute gems from the past that might have escaped the attention of the members and the followers of the club had we not recorded them here. This is a general chat that reveals a report of one of the club's earliest matches, some of the musings of a much younger current senior club official, and reveals the origins of one of the supporters' favourite features at the club. We hope that you enjoy our readings from the history books. Who knows? It may even evolve into a segment on the show. Alright, we're recording. G'day everybody, I'm Teddy Donnell. Welcome to the Tree on the Wing. I'm coming to you from the beach house in Bowen Heads tonight and I'm joined by a man who's got a lot of things in front of him and he's going to read some of them out. His name's Russell Nipper Highland. G'day Nipper, how are you going? I'm very well Teddy, very well indeed. I'm very excited to be here tonight. Even more excited with the guest that we uh, plan to have tonight but unfortunately he's rung in sick. Now I left you, I left you on Saturday, we ran into our guest we will um, actually we'll keep it a secret. I won't tell people who it was, but our guest and his his friend, his companion, were were down from uh, far north Queensland. Yes. We're not saying his name, and we managed very quickly to talk him into coming down because he's not going to be here for very long. No, not. And uh, we thought, oh, that's a good opportunity to get him. Yep. The last thing I left you doing was getting his phone number. And I thought, well, Nipper will organise that. That'll be good. And we'll, we'll set up on Tuesday night and away we'll go. And he's done a fetlock, has he? Yeah. Well, I've got his phone number. All good. No problems at all. He rang me this afternoon. He said, unfortunately, I'll have to report that I'll be a scratching this evening. I'm ill. Not well at all. Um, the only thing he told me was he did need to stay close to a toilet. And he wanted to be 100% fit for uh, the upcoming past players day. So um, uh. he's had to pass... Past the opportunity of uh, spending an evening with us, but nonetheless, we've got uh, plenty of things we can tell everyone about. But, but, but um, before we do that, yeah. we will we will send extend our best wishes to our prospective guest and say uh, we hope you're feeling better, yes. and uh, we hope you're feeling better soon, and you can uh, make a full recovery by Saturday so that you can enjoy an Uzo. With the boys. Yes, exactly right. I was a bit concerned um, whether or not they served that type of uh, spirit here at the beach house, which would have Ooh. turned him away because 
He just literally does not drink anything, anything else. else. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So then we thought, well, we might have another guest and we might get one to ring in. Yes. And we thought yep. of we thought of a very good one. And you've contacted him as well. I've left you to do that. You're the be- you're the best network person I know. So you had his number and you told me you did. So I left you with that job. And how'd you go with that? Well, I rang him and he's very happy to hear from me. And uh, he's very excited about the upcoming past players day. He's a um a, I suppose a specialist at these type of things. He uh, he um, is one of those blokes that always wears his playing jumper to one to a past players day. Um, he always um, imbibes and supports the club in that way. And um, I had a brief chat to him, and I asked him if he was available this evening. Um, he's he's got a couple of ailments at the moment that he's having treated. Regard to probably a lot to do with his football career, uh, just sort of catching up on him the injuries. But um, other than that, he was in good health and he would love to join us. But he couldn't tonight because he was um, had a prior arrangement with uh, a friend of his and he was going to uh, sample a few wines. Oh, that's you know, um, that sounds very civilised. Yes. So you are out in straight sets, Nip. Yep, gone. Oh, gone. Well, that's no good. So. We, saw, we still thought we'd get together and just have a chat and we've been doing this for a little while now and we always seem to have a guest. As we've explained, we're not going to have one tonight, but it doesn't mean we can't have a chat. There's quite a bit that you've been doing as far as collecting things from the history books and stuff like that. And with the, um, the upcoming centenary of the club next year, um, it's, it's apt that we have a quick chat about the history that you have gathered together. I've noticed you've been doing some fantastic – a lot of people have been doing some fantastic work putting photographs and things up. Chucky's been very, very good, hasn't he? Oh, some he's, of the, it's amazing. I mean, it, it would appear to the, to the un, uninitiated that Chucky's just finding stuff, but I reckon he's, I reckon he's just leading it out. Yeah, he's just – uh, he's got it on he's drag. He's teasing us. Yeah, know, he is. Pulls out some absolute gems with some absolute – Legends of the club from around the nineteen seventies, and uh, and yeah, touching base <laughs> and bringing um, those blokes and their families into the fore, which is which is great. Yeah, his photos of Donny Cameron and Maxie Sutcliffe and uh, the Premiership boys having a beer at the bar, and hanging the, off the rafters, hanging off the rafters. The, Gary Hamer Gary and, Hamer. and Marshy. Yeah. Um, was Marshy the coach that year or Gary? Uh, no, Marshy, Gary coached two years and then left to go and coach a team in Geelong called Geelong, Geelong. Reserves. <laughs> yeah. And Marshy took over. So Marshy would not have been coaching then, but um, Gary would have. Yeah, it was, it was good to see also in the background what the club rooms used to look like. They were very basic and that sort of thing, but... Um, not what they are today, and probably, probably not, not what even we remember no, them no, to be. No, no, that's right. Yeah, exactly. They were very basic, and um, but they served the purpose. They and and the, and the thing that I noticed in one of the photos was something that you that you know you see those things on Facebook. If you showed this to a young person, they wouldn't know what it was. Yeah, you know it what a, it was? A seven ounce beer glass. Yeah, and the other one was what do you fill it with? Oh, the old Pluto. The Pluto. There's the a Pluto sitting there. The I was thinking, the if, I showed, if I showed that to Bryce, he'd say, what, was that? what is that? The beer gun running from a tube straight to the barrel. You could uh, just sit the glasses of beer up along the bar and fill them up like a... Like, a, uh, like you're watering the garden. Like exactly right, watering the pot plants. Yeah. 
It was uh, it's great, and then I imagine that Chucky's probably got loads and loads more photos of those to come uh, over not only the next few weeks, but the next few months and the next few few years. And that was after the second semi final, so they've won the second semi and got themselves into a grand final. Yeah. I imagine what they were like, well, Ooh, like right. after the, winning the grand final, yeah. so because they they had the previous year won pretty much every game for the season and gone out in straight sets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it was probably a great relief to them that they'd actually made the made the grand final because at that point there may have been a bit of doubt. But So what do you got, Nip? You've got a, big, well, a whole I mean, bunch of stuff I mean, there. Going through all the stuff that, you know, the old man's kept over the years or probably more likely mum's kept, and um, I found a bit of stuff there. I've uh, got on the uh, intramanet and dug up a few old newspaper cuttings and stories and that sort of thing. And what I've found out, Teddy, is that, and I think we all know this, that the Bowenheads Football Club was um, started up in 1922. Um, I don't know whether how, how many records the club have got of what happened around that time, but what I've found is reports on games they've played against Belmont, North Geelong, Connawarri, Freshwater Creek, Grovedale, Moriac, and Drysdale. Uh, there was a few other clubs mentioned, um, but there's no reports of them playing against them. But um, some of the stuff here is just absolute gold, and, um, and it gives you an idea of what happened in the club and the reports of the day. I'll read this first one for you. I'm not too sure which paper this is out of. Um, some of them from the Geelong Advertiser, some of them from the Melbourne Argus. But this one's a report on the Connawarri versus Bowen Heads match. So this match was played on the Grovedale Reserve on Saturday, May the 13th, 1922, in the presence of a fair number of spectators. Both teams were strongly represented and some good football was shown. Up till half-time, the teams were fairly even, and at the half-time bell, the heads had the leading position by one point. The play resuming, Connawarri played fast and open football. They soon overtook the visitors. In the final quarter, Connawarri monopolised the play and scored six goals, three behinds for that term. The final scores were Connawarri 11 goals, 10, Bowenheads 4 goals, 7. The winners were a fairly even side and all played well. Bench on the forward line was in great form for the day. He bagged nine sixes and truly deserved his shoulder-high journey off the ground. Collier, Fian, Bradhurst and Mom were also in good form, but as all played well, it is hard to pick out individual players. For the heads, Stevens, Para, Scott Collier were very prominent. Uh, the goal kickers, as mentioned for Connawarri, were bench with nine, Bradhurst with four, Brit Whistle with one, and the secretary was unable to get the goal kickers of the heads, but Stevens was responsible for at least two of them. Um, after the match, afternoon tea was given round by the local lady supporters and Mr J Chalice, who had been elected captain of the Connawarri club, briefly congratulated the visitors on the clean and friendly spirit in which the game was played and wished them success. Mr Parra, on behalf of the Bowenheads team, thanked Mr Chalice 
and also the ladies for their kindness in providing refreshments and asked the heads for three cheers, which were lustily given. Previous to the match, Mr J Callis was elected captain and Mr P Fian vice-captain of the Connawari Club. Clark gave every satisfaction as an umpire. His decisions were quick and impartial. And next Saturday, Connawari journeys to Moriac. The transportation of the players has been arranged and they are asked to watch Friday's issue of the Advertiser for full information. What a great report. That's fantastic. Yeah. How good is that? It's quite interesting too. Because it must have been the advertiser because they wouldn't tell you to read the advertiser yes, unless it yeah, was exactly. the advertiser. So. But it's quite interesting that, like, you know, Connawari and Bowen Heads back in those days were, um, well, you know, it was close. I was nearly going to say something that Tim Goddard was going to say. Um, they're as close as they are now. <laughs> um, but they, obviously, there's a lot of names that played for Collingwood that come up playing for Bowen Heads later on. I'm not too sure how long the Collingwood... Well, there was a Collier in each team. Yeah, Collier in each team. The chalices were in both teams. Benches, there's, also, there's a road in Connawari called Benches Lane. Yes. So that's interesting to see that. And, and I, um, while, while you were reading that, I was thinking, back in 1922, there's a fair chance that the district known as Connawari had a greater population than the town known as Bowen Heads because it was a lot bigger and there's quite a few farms out there. And they, they weren't big farms, so it's quite possible that that's why they were a stronger team. Yeah, and I think the fact that the first Bowen Heads school, which was round about uh, just out of town um, on the edge of the first bit of swamp on the Geelong Road, was referred to as Connolly East Primary School. And then they changed its name to Bowen Heads, and I think the first post office in Bowen Heads was called Connolly East. So, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is that there was no Torquay Footy Club in those days. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. There was um, The league they played in was called the Freshwater Creek and yes. District. So um, that was really interesting. And it was also interesting to read that Mr. Para, who was mentioned in there as um, the captain, I think was he the captain that... Uh, Anyway, he was mentioned there. And another article The there. other thing that was interesting is that they were elected prior to the game. Yes. They didn't turn up as captain. They no. were elected prior to the game, yeah. which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. So Mr. Parra that was mentioned in there was also mine host at the Mount Colite Hotel, which ah. for the people that are unaware is now called the Boneheads Hotel. Previously, it was the Mount Colite Hotel until it burnt down in the... 1927. Yes, that's right. Around about time, the bridge was being built. Which which is, leads me to believe that somebody from Ocean Grove came across and burnt it down. Yeah, we opened the that's bridge. That's the kind of things they do. We opened the bridge and they come over and burnt trash our, our pub. pub. Just jealous because they didn't have one. Um, <laughs> so they had a dinner there. The uh, One of the great things in here, it says, the dinner was something to be re- to remember. And host Para well deserved the congratulations he received on the catering. The, de- the decorations were what femininity would call a dream, with the white and maroon colours of the club floating everywhere in the shape of streamers, while in the centre of the room hung a massive candelabra, which, when the other lights were turned out, presented a pretty effect with the varied coloured candles. It's interesting there where they mentioned the club, club colours, maroon and white. Yes. The jumpers were a, a predominantly maroon jumper with a white sash. So if Like an Essendon jumper. Exactly, mm. yeah. A lot of the old photos show that type of jumper that looks 
you know, to the untrained is something like a Richmond jumper. Yeah, because they're black and white photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're actually a maroon colour with the white sash. And um, they changed those jumpers around about the 1950s, I believe, to a blue and white because the maroon clashed with a couple of other clubs such as Moriac and um, someone else around the time then anyway. Dad was around at that time, and he said the jumpers were blue and white. And yes. I don't know whether I've shared this story with no, you. No, Huey shared that That's story right, with yeah. us in his episode of The Tree on the Wing yeah. so about Ollie, um, Ollie, Ollie Bly, Bly washed them. Washed them, and the blue ran into the white, and they became the two blues. So and they thought they looked good. And there they were two, yeah, there way. were two things that happened. They thought, gee, that looks good, and they're too expensive to replace. That's so right. We're just yeah. going to put up with them, and the next time they uh, got new jumpers, they decided to keep the colours. So that's yeah. how it come. We've got the colours that we've got, which are wonderful. Yeah. So we've got a couple of other match reports here, and I won't I won't go through them in detail, but they do mention some of the players from around 1923. It's actually got here the list. The Bowenheads team for the next game will be selected from the following: Ashmore, Barnett's. Times two, Betts, Collier, Cleary, Alice, Fuller times two, Gillum times four, Hanby, Jennings times four, Jasper, Long, McDonald, Mitchell, Para times two, Phelan, Palmer, Rufus, Stevens times two, Scott, Spencer, Saffron, Tate times two, Waith, Williams, and others. So Back in 1923... You just read out the roadmap of Barnett's. Yeah, I know. But how many, uh, how many players have got to choose from? There's got to be 35 there, yeah. plus others. So they weren't short on numbers. And the other really interesting one I had, Teddy, was this one from... I think this was from the Argus. It's about the Barnett's Reserve. And they, they speak about the reserve being the, the football ground. And they speak about the trust which is um, the the Parks Trust, which is Bowen Coast, that look after the area. And, of course, there was trustees that managed, managed the area and that. So it says here, and I'm, I'm going to try to read this a little bit in a voice of the times. It is the desire of the young men of Bowen Heads to possess an up-to-date football ground of regulation size. They have approached the mayor, Alderman Hitchcock, one of the trustees, and put before him a definite offer of what they are prepared to do if the trustees will allow them to improve the ground. They will level the ground outside the existing oval and ramp it up so as to form an oval of the regulation size. The ramp will be made for the use of spectators. The matter is to be placed before the trustees at a meeting to be held during the next few days. The young men state their willingness to do the work Free of expense to the trustees. So that was the, well, not so much the building of the ground, but um, the um, the upgrading of the ground and back in nineteen twenty-two. Nipper, that sounds to me very much like building a hill. They Possibly. are ramping up the earth well, now. Where's the place at the at the footy ground where the, the earth is ramped up? Yeah, well. Well, maybe it shouldn't be up on the hill. We're up on the ramp. Up on the ramp, yes. So we can ramp it up. When you camp on the ramp. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's other games here they played back in the day against Barrable and um, different teams. Some of the names that are quite prominent. And as you said, you know, there's um, 
There's uh, quite a few names. Their streets are named after Tate Stevens. Two interesting names that come up a couple of times were Alice, Frank Alice. Frank There's Alice. a little reserve down near the, next to the bridge that's called the Frank Alice Reserve. And his, uh, his grandchildren are still around town. His daughter, Dottie Lawn, only recently passed away last year. And uh, her sons, the Lawns, are around. And one of his other grandsons... He's a triple premiership player, Jack Evans. Jack Evans, yes, Jackie, he is. Jackie Evans is a grandson of Frank Ellis, so there's a long history there. And um, the other one that caught my eye was a bloke by the name of Collier. Fred Collier lived in Clifford Parade, pretty much opposite the old the kindergarten, kindergarten sort yep. of thing there. And he was, or, he or was or living there. there when I was thinking about him the other day. He was living there when we first moved down here. In 1975, and he was quite elderly then. Yes, I remember him quite well. He was he was good friends with my mother, um, old Fred and Madge. Because she would have worked for him. Yeah, mum worked in the post yeah. office. They ran the post office there. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Fred was elderly, and he was quite an imposing figure from yeah. memory. He was a tall, tall, quite man. a tall man. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been uh, pretty good on the footy field. He had the air of. A bit of a Normie Goddard, an air, the air of a gentleman. Oh, absolutely. A real gentleman. Yes. Wouldn't say shit if a shark bit him mm-hmm. and and moved. Uh, I remember him, he always walked very tall. He shoulders back, tall. head up. Walked very slow too. And slow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he didn't have far to walk when he went down to get the papers. Or, uh, well, we lived in, in uh, Clifford Parade when we first came down here and, and he used to often walk past our place and we would – be out the front kicking the footy or something, and he'd he'd always say good day. Funny story. Um, where the uh, where the bakery's located in Bowen Edge now. Um, for those listeners listeners that are a little bit older, it's the old Chinese restaurant. And before that, it was a car park and just a paddock. Was it just a paddock for years? Wasn't and it? And I was kicking my plastic football in that um, car park one afternoon, and I. Uh, one slewed off the side of my boot and landed on the roof of what then was I'm too sure whether it was the doctors or the ANZ Bank. I think it was the, the doctors. doctors then. It was the doctors, and now it's a, a latte factory or something like that. Is it the ice cream shop? Yeah, something like that. The, anyway, because I couldn't get my footy down. Hank's Bakery was on the corner. Yep. and then there was I reckon there was a hairdresser and the doctors. No, this ANZ Bank was in the middle. In the middle. Mm. That was later, I reckon. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember going to the ANZ Bank. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I certainly remember I that. I uh, had this footy up on the roof there, and uh, I didn't know what to do. And Mum was around at Fred and Madge's, so I went around to tell her. And Fred got this mighty big long ladder, and we walked around down the main street with the ladder, something you probably couldn't do today. Fred put it up against the wall and climbed up there. And he, look, he must have been, he must have been well into his 80s. <laughs> And oh, yeah. he climbed up the ladder and got on the roof and threw down my plastic footy and uh, I just ran off. I didn't help him down or anything like that. But um, yeah. I mean, how old were you? Oh, I was probably 10. Yeah. yeah. He, he could have been 53. Yeah, he could have he, been too. But <laughs> every, yeah, everybody so. who was older than your parents was well into no, that. He would have had to be like in his 70s. In yeah. He would have had to be at least in his 70s. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway... Um, uh, yeah, it was it was really interesting that uh, that stuff and from the twenties and that sort of thing. I'll tell you what else I found, Teddy. Got some records this, there. This is an absolute gem. This one. This is a it's it's a photocopy of a a little flyer about the Bowenheads Ocean Grove Football Club in brackets the Seagulls. 
the under-15 team from 1958. And um, it must be their presentation night. And it's got Thursday the 4th of September at 6.15pm in the Bowen Heads Hall. President H. Harmer, Treasurer K. McEwen, Secretary N. Goddard. It wouldn't have been N. Goddard Senior then because young Norm would not have been born by 1958. The committee was S. Molden, J. Green, S. French, T. Bly, N. Robinson, B. Edwards, S. Rawson, B. Harmon, R. Pierce, J. Tate, J. Foster, L. Shepard and R. Pierce. The team coach was John Tate and the team manager was Reg Pierce. Uh, the club extends to you a cordial invitation to attend. So they've got the list of match results there. They played 12 games. They won eight of them, lost three and drew one. So where do you reckon they finished up on the ladder? That would have got them in, into the top four. Oh, I would have thought so, but yep. unfortunately they missed out on the top four on percentage. That draw, that draws cost them. It, it probably has. Oh. Some of the highlights of the season were the best and fairest was won by Phil Green. The second best and fairest was won by Ken Allen. The most consistent was Willie Slackowitz. The best utility was Wassel Melnick. And the most improved was Bill Gravitt. Uh, some of the highlights of the year were uh, Phil Green kicked 12 goals versus Bell Park. Ray Casperson kicked three of the four goals versus East. And Brian Wilkinson kicked four of the five goals versus Thompson. So some of the players that represented the Seagulls that year were, and there'll be some very famous names pop up here, Gary Adams, Ken Adam, Ken Allen, Bill Barry, Jeff Brain, Ray Casperson, Anthony Curry, Cliff French, Doug Feldman, saw Dougie Feldman out at One Day Estate not long ago, said hello to me. Bill Gravitt, Philip Green, Ray Hose, uh, Graham Powell, Graham Smith, Willie Salakovich, Jeff Tribe, Brian Wilkinson, Wassel Melnick, Stephen Kotowski, Con Zurawil, Ray Stevens, Kevin Rogers, Stan Jeruga, and David Keelia. Really interesting one, that was. Don't know where that came from, though, to be quite honest. And this is an absolute gem, this one, Teddy. This is a newspaper cutting, and I'm not 100% sure what year it is, but it's a it's a semi-final in the 50s that Bowenheads played in against Anarchy. I don't know who won. They do tip Anarchy to win, but that doesn't say... Bowenheads didn't win. And instead of just naming the teams, they give you a bit of an idea of what sort of player they are. Ah. It's quite interesting. Um, so it goes through the whole Anarchy team, and then it says um, uh, Bowenheads put what, up... What a, year is this, Nip? It's in the 50s. It was when right Dad right. was playing. So it was in the finals. Yeah. Could have been 57, could have been 59. Um, but it says here, Bowenheads put up a good show against Port Arlington until halftime last week then faded. However, the side will improve on that performance and should worry Anarchy. It is on a par as regards size and marking ability and should hold its own regards pace. So here's the team. From the back line, obviously, D. Yarrett. Tall, safe mark and very determined def- defender. 
at fullback, S. Highland. Very dashing, sure mark, and long kick. There you go. The other back pocket position is yet to be filled. <laughs> the halfback line, Jay Shepherd, tall, fast player, nice kick. Centre half back, R. Tribe, another tall boy, good ball handler, sure mark, and long kick. Other halfback flanker is P. Stevens, a rugged type, very determined and safe clearer. The centre line is P. Harmer, which would be Fippy. Mm-hmm. Left foot kick, never lets up. In the centre was W. Feldman, tall player with good disposal, sure mark. And John Druce, fast, good ball handler, nice pass to position. The half-forward line was Jay Tate, a pacey player and sure kick, and Max Wall, the centre-half-forward, experienced, good mark and accurate kick. The other half-forward flank was Jay Wallard, who's a good position player. The forwards were W. Vortier, a big player, plenty of dash, good mark and kick. The full forward was B. Hewan. He was good in the air and a straight kick. And the other forward pocket was Mick Jennings, a solid player, Ruck Rover type. The Rucks were made up of Fred Wilmore and R. Smith, both experienced players, good marks and long kicks. And the Rover was Reggie Pearce, a clever player, good on the ground and a fair kick. A fair kick? A fair kick. What Only a fair kick. What does that mean? I don't know. Everyone sometimes else was long or accurate. Sometimes he kicks at the opposition and sometimes he kicks it to us. Both sides have competent reserves available. The game should be very even, but it is expected that Anarchy will win its way into the grand final by reason of its stamina and strength from goal to goal. That is a sensational nipper. Yeah. Where did you find all that? Oh, it's just in the old man's shit, you know. <laughs> got, as I said, mum looked after it all and filed it away and, uh, yeah, so that was a very faded old newspaper cutting. I imagine it was from the Addy. And I found some footy records here, Teddy. These are these for, are from 87, 92 and 86. Bit of a write-up about... Uh, being beaten and that we should lift and uh, improve next week. There was a couple of mention about some uh, young players here in the um, in the under-18s. I'll read this one for you, Teddy. The under-18s. At last, the under-18s have given me something positive with which to write about. All boys on the field were going to make doubly sure that this game didn't slip through their fingers. With the inclusion into the team of Brad Bad Boy Jones and Matt Bigfoot Walter. <laughs> it gave the team just that added bit of much-needed strength and enabled the rest of the boys to show what their own true worth is to the team. Given the freedom from self-inflicted pressures, terrific effort, fellows. Puff your chests out with pride and see just what you can achieve today. So uh, Jonesy and, uh, and the Moose, the young Moose at that stage, uh, had probably been playing seniors or reserves footy at that stage and dropped back to the under-18s, which they were eligible to do, potentially help the under-18s to what might have been a victory. 
possibly not. They played Torquay that week, so I can't ever remember, remember beating Torquay. No, no, no. I was around. Yeah. Here's another good one, Teddy. This one's from um, 92. Just listen to the style of writing in this one, Teddy, because it's quite ironic. Greetings, punters. Aren't the Olympics grouse? And aren't we, as in Australia, just blitzing? It's just a pity you have to stay up half the night to see the good stuff. But you get that. Now, the footy. Things didn't go all that well for us last week with only the Magooies winning. But what a win it was. They ran, they marked, they conquered. It went off. Gary, I look good in a floral apron. Caldo, who we mentioned earlier on, yes, reveled in illustrious company. Adam Heels Fry, other guest on this show, <laughs> had a plethora of kicks. Archie played like, well, Archie, while some player who shall remain nameless showed the ball boys how to bounce the ball. The finals are in sight, so keep winning. The big fellows didn't quite do as well as anticipated. So that mention of the bloke bouncing the ball, I recall back in the early 90s, 92, bloke playing in the seconds, running down the wing, bouncing the ball a couple of times, showed a lot of promise. Left footer, under the tree on the wing. He ran down there, couple of bounces, big, well, maybe not big, but left foot kick into the forward line. He wasn't quite good enough, good enough to hold his place in the team the next year and ended up runner for the reserves. Oh, yeah. well, well, I was going to say that may have been written by Tim Goddard. Yes. By so the pres. The, the current president was back in no, early he 90s. He was Sammy the Seagull. He was, no, no, this one's J.L. Seagull. Oh, J.L. Seagull. Which was uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Livingston, Livingston Seagull. Yes. So uh, he goes on to say that uh, Anthony Callan impressed the boys on the hill as did Craig 90210 Kelly, and Dave put me on Clements was full of splinters once again. Uh, win today, or things very nasty in nature may fall upon you. You have been warned. The junior sides met some stiff opposition. The under-15s, who have had their best year in ages, perhaps decades, lost but will surely win today. Go sick, dudes. <laughs> the... <laughs> The under-18s, though, have had a lean year but are having fun nonetheless. On the social front, we have the High Society night on tonight, which should go off. And on the 19th, Wednesday, we have a teamwork at the Geelong Hotel. Be there. Rumour-wise, I could tell you all about the netballer who... uh, I can't say that, sorry. Also, a certain footballer is in... Well, I better not say that either. But uh, what I will say is bye-bye, go Seagulls, go Cats. Now, you, you mentioned there the teamwork. Do you remember those? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that when you used to get as many people to the Geelong Hotel as you could on a, on a Wednesday night and yeah. each club would put in for it? I remember going to that. And yeah. I, don't, I don't remember there being a lot of them. A lot of people there. No, no. It was, it was like a networking night. If, you, if your club could get certain amount of people there, guests or um, whoever, you would get like $10 a, a head or something. Yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. quite substantial. Yeah. But and, that, and when we say the Geelong Hotel, we don't mean the Carayo Hotel, which no. is now the Geelong Hotel. We mean the Geelong Hotel, oh, which I is see. on the corner of Maya and Mirable Street and is now a hospital or it's part a, of a hospital part anyway. Part of a hospital? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, That's well, fantastic. You like those these are really these are really good. I was looking at I was looking at the numbers. I yeah. always like to look at the numbers. There's a there was a boy Matthew Walters. Any Ooh. relation to Matt Walter? Could be. Could um, be. Number thirty. Number thirty. Number thirty in the under 18s. In in nineteen eighty seven, uh, of course, played in a reserves premiership team later on in the year. Yes, yes, um, he did. He did that. Yeah, and he was also in the in the senior list as number thirty two. I remember him being number thirty two. Oh, yep, that was. I think that's what he played in in the eighty seven. Actually, he was thir- did I say thirty? He was thirty five. Ah, thirty five. Thirty five, and we go through there. Thirty one, Dale Speedy Harmer. Oh. He's uh, he's a good contributor on Facebook he too. Is. Yep. yep, he pops up every now and then. Yes. Well, these are fantastic. Number twenty-two for the seniors, Daryl the Fish Fisher. Fish, he's up on the Gold Coast. Yes, we did have some pretty ordinary nicknames for blokes in those days, didn't we? Yeah, we did. What's your name, Daryl Fisher? What's yeah. your nickname? Yeah, Fish. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just looking at a couple here: Kenny McClellan, Macca, Mick Dawson, Dorso, Daryl Fisher, Fish, Johnny Egan, Ego. Absolutely. This is back to eighty back to eighty seven. And we know why this one is. Tim Donnell? Yes. Forty four. Forty four, he did. Why was he forty four? I don't know. Who 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 was it forty four for Fitzroy in those days? Oh Richard Osborne. Would have been Richard Osborne, yep. And he loved him. Like we spoke to on the weekend. Don't uh, just let us know if we're boring you people. <laughs> but these are great. Um, Blake, we spoke to on the weekend. Russell Mowat, Mowat, thirty-eight, thirty-eight. Oh, yes. He's doing well. David yeah. Highland, of course, was thirty-four. 34. Yeah. I'll tell you, I ran into an, a past player on the weekend at Ocean Grove whilst the under nineteens were playing, and he said to me, "What are you doing here, Teddy?" And I said, "I might ask you the same thing, Ronnie." It was Ronnie Williams. Huh. Super I said, I'm going to ask you the same thing, Super Nuts. And he said, well, one of my daughters is over the back playing netball. She's always played netball at Ocean Grove. And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, well, what are you doing here? And I said, my son's out there playing in the under-19s. And he said, which one is he? I said, the big one there, number 15. Oh, bloody number 15. You <laughs> stole that off me. And I'm having a look here. In 1987... Ronnie Williams, 47. 47. Well, in the ones I've got... It's not that he's scarred by it, but he, rem- actually he remember, remembers that I, I stole his jumper. This. In one of these records I've got here, which is 86, number 15's Greg Wilson. In 86? Yeah. So, well, 87 must have been yeah. the year that I, I ended up with it then. Yep, 15, Matthew Donnell. You know, is, it, is that 87, the other one? Yeah, well, that was 92, so. that one. I don't think you get a mention here, Teddy. <laughs> Probably not. Um, there's a whole list of players dead. Oh, no, there's a list of players here that haven't got numbers that only went up to 40. <laughs> You're in that list, Teddy. <laughs> a great number 48, Tim Zula. Nickname? Had a good nickname. Bomba. Bomba. What about Michael Portelli? Mushy. He, he was for many years the, the, one of the, the head trainer at Ocean Grove. Yeah. And he's not he's not there anymore. Um, yeah, no, there's some uh, there's interesting names there. And then I've got another record, Teddy, from 1973. Ah, now we're talking. Premiership year. It's the actual grand final record. And a couple of things I've opened up this page. are the, the best and fairest voting for the league in 1973. We probably all know 
that Dennis Johnson won the award with 17 votes. The runner-up was a bloke from Winchelsea called N. Harvey. And the third place getter with 15 votes, only two behind the leader, Brian Marshman. Oh, wow. So Marshy was third in the league best and fairest that his teammate won. Yeah, a couple behind that again on 12 votes was Peter Granny when he was playing at Bale Heads here yeah. after coming down from Fitzroy. He went on and won a league best and fairest at Queenscliff? Yeah, I think he might have too. I think he did. Um, Leon Zuruel also gets a mate mention there for Ocean Grove. He played his junior footy at Bowen Heads. I remember at some stage it had been referred to as the Bowen Heads banter. It's quite interesting. There it is. Here we go. And this would not be Tim Goddard writing this one. The league best and fairest, Dennis Johnson. Club best and fairest, seniors, Peter Lindsay. Reserves, Pumpkin. David Watson. Under-16s, David Gubbins. Under-13s, James Gubbins. The League Permacrete Award in the seniors went to Peter Growney. The Bowen Heads Shell Garage Award in the seniors went to Peter Lindsay. And the Bowen Heads Smith's Supermarket Award in the reserves went to Brian Banfield. That was in the days when the Shell Garage was operating in Bowen Heads. And it was quite interesting that uh, Peter Lindsay won all the club awards and Dennis Johnson won the league ones. Yes. And Peter Granny won a league one as well. So uh, obviously a very good team. Congratulations also to all the club best and fairest winners, seniors and reserves winners, Peter Lindsay and David Watson have played with Bowen Heads since small lads and both are a credit on and off the field. Sincere thanks to all senior and junior players and also to everyone who has given their time and services during the season. Dates to remember, the club cabaret. Yes. The 21st of September, the end of season trip, the 27th to the 30th of September, the senior dinner on the 19th of October and the league presentation cabaret on the 5th of October. Pretty full uh, social calendar there. Now, this is the pre-match for the 1973 Grand Final, Teddy. Beautiful. The question to be answered today, which team can produce their top form on the day when it most counts? So Bowenheads were playing Winchelsea at Torquay, Saturday, September the 15th, 1973. The score so far this season reads Winchelsea two wins, Bowen Heads one. But it was in the vital second semi final that the Heads proved superior. Now, Winchelsea, after, devasta- after a devastating win over Torquay in the preliminary final, have their last chance for season 1973 to prove their premiership worth. It's a bit of an understatement, that is. <coughs> The two coaches, Gary Hamer, non-playing at Bowen Heads, and Noel Mullen from Winchelsea, have guided their teams into this year's grand final with expert leadership and the ability to get the best out of their players consistently. Winchelsea has boasted big man strength and a tight back line, while the Bowen Heads side includes the league best and fairest player, Rover Dennis Johnson, as well as the leading goal kicker, Stephen Peace. At their last meeting, Bowen Heads played up to their good form, whereas Winchelsea, after a three-week layoff, had many players down. These same players bounced back on Saturday, and a continuation of this improvement 
will make a close game assured. Doug Stevenson and Hans Berger dominated around the packs and their duel with Dennis Johnson, Dennis Johnson will be a highlight. The centre-line clashes of Fry, Lindsay and Di Domenico for Bowen Heads and Reddy, David Stevenson and Matthews for Winch will be crucial. Marshman at centre-half back, flanked by Evans and Jackson, will be too strong for the Winchelsea half-forward line and it will be important for the Winch, Rucks and Rovers to get a few goals for them to succeed. The talented players on the Heads half-forward line, Watson and Duell, will be dangerous. However, the Winch defence should have learnt by their previous meeting that these players must be played close and hard if their effectiveness is to be curbed. Thomas Rayner and Cardinal are players who are capable of doing the job. Uh, The respective full forwards will both be focal points of their team's attacks. Peace, a proved full forward, can be relied on to kick goals, but Max Bubb, after a great game on Saturday, is just the type to upset him. At the other end, Hans Berger will lead Bruce Parsons a merry dance with his pace and unorthodox forward play. The Ruck Jewels should go Winchelsea's way, and marking around the ground should be pretty even. Peter Growney and Steve Pallum will see to that. Summing up, Given good conditions, the game should be a bottler. Providing Winch take no ill effects from the hard game against Torquay, I expect them to answer every challenge served up by the Heads. Bowen Heads' great record cannot be overlooked, and they will start firm favourites to win their second successive premiership. However, the underdogs have beaten them twice during the season and should win to give them the 73 flag. That's go. interesting. Why is that? Well, the last couple of lines, he pretty much tips both of them to win. Yeah, yes, he does too. Yeah. Who, who wrote that? Oh, it doesn't say. No, it doesn't say. Peter Sheffield? Maybe. Possibly Back been Peter days? Sheffield. Might have been Don Cole. Well, um, no, the reason I'm saying Peter Sheffield, because Peter Sheffield was a Winchelsea boy. Yeah. So he m- might have been uh, trying to keep, uh, keep in good stead with the rest of the Winchelsea people. He didn't exactly. want to get kicked out. Exactly. That's about all I've got, Teddy, I think. Oh, that's fantastic, Nipper. Absolutely yeah. wonderful. You, bit, of, bit of history. That, that's the sort of stuff that... If any, if anyone's got stuff like that, we'd love to see it. The footy club yeah. would love to see it. And we'd love yeah. to get copies of it and we can um, just yeah. go through it uh, on the tray on the wing. We The, the few names there that are, of people that are still with us um, yep. from obviously the 73... The 73 guys, most of them are still alive. Unfortunately, Stevie Pelham, we we miss very dearly. Yep. Um, but the uh, of, from those older ones, names like Reggie Pierce and uh, Stewie Highland, Johnny Drews. Johnny, Johnny Shepherd. Johnny Shepherd, all yep. still floating around. Yeah. Um, there's another bloke by the name of Brian Harmon. Did I ever tell you a story about Brian Harmon? No. Very funny story. It's... Uh, just one of those rare things that happens sometimes. I was going to on holidays with the family a couple of years back now, probably three or four years back, and we we're flying to Queensland. I can't even remember where we we're going, but we we're flying to Queensland anyway. And we got to Tullamarine Airport, and our flights had been cancelled, not postponed, cancelled. 
And this was about six o'clock in the morning. So I rang them up and I said, uh, rang up the airline and I said, so when can we, when can we get on another flight? Uh, this was a Saturday morning. They said, oh, Monday afternoon you can get another flight. I said, well, that's not good enough. When do I get my money back? They said, oh, well, that'll be a couple of weeks away. I said, this doesn't sound good. Anyway, so I um, told them what I thought of them and parting comment from the poor customer service bloke was he told me to have a nice day and I said, I don't think it's going to be a nice day and um, words to that effect. Anyway, we had to purchase tickets as soon as possible get on the next, you know, on a flight that yeah. day to get to Queensland. Yep. So we purchased five individual seats on a flight at 12.30. So I sat somewhere up the front. My wife sat in the middle, one of my girls on the other side of the aisle to my wife and my son and other daughter sat right up the back. So we were spread out over the whole plane. We got to Queensland, we got off on the first off. I'm sitting there waiting for the rest of the family to come along and my wife's walking up, you know, off the plane with a quite elderly gentleman and having a chat to him and they're chatting away and he said, uh, lovely to meet you, Clarissa, and off he walked. I said, uh, who, who's your new mate? She said, he played footy with your dad. <laughs> and I said, hey, what's his name? She said, I can't remember. She said, I think it was Brian. Anyway, so we go down to pick up our luggage down the bottom, and he's standing there waiting for his luggage. I thought, oh, I've got to find out. I said, walked up to him and said, g'day, how you going, mate? He said, yeah, pretty good. I said, I believe you're sitting next to my wife on the plane. And he said, "Ah." Oh, are you Stewie Highlands boy? And I said, yeah, I am. What's your name? And it was Brian Harmon. Yes. And Brian was an Ocean Grove boy that came over and played football and cricket at Bowenheads, but also played football and cricket at Ocean Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good friends with Max Sutcliffe and still remained in contact with, with Dot. And he um, had moved out to Bannockburn, I think, somewhere out that way, and he had a couple of kids. And funny, I think one of his sons may be a teacher at St Joey's now. Oh, Johnny Harmon? Yeah. Yeah, They live in Bannockburn. Yeah. He's a Bannockburn boy, Johnny. Yep. So? I went to school with John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Johnny's father... Ah, Bowen Heads footballer. Bowen Heads footballer. I I didn't know that. Small world, yeah. Well, so he's still going well, well, he was four years ago yeah. when he got off the plane and he was, he was heading further north than what we, I think, yeah. But um, yeah, While we're on the subject of people not being with us anymore, something came to my attention today and uh, I don't know this bloke but I think we should mention it because Chucky put it on uh, Facebook and one of the ocean, we love Ocean Grove as much as we can possibly love them and a guy called Jimmy Serenan. Do you remember Jimmy Serenan? I do, I do. He yeah. apparently passed away after a long battle with, with illness um, yeah. today or yesterday. So, um, And I think I have seen photos, and I don't know whether it was him or his brother, play junior football at Barnheads. Oh, okay. You know, because um, as, as Chuka mentioned, he grew up with him, and all those guys from Ocean Grove all came over here and played at that stage. So he potentially could have... Played football here as a junior and then went over to Ocean Grove when they got up and running. But and the yeah. other one closer to home that I saw recently was um, a guy who was in our team of the half century at the cricket club. Yes. And you mentioned his name or his brother's name yep. a couple of times. He, his name may have been in there. Jeff Casperson. called Jeff Casperson who passed 
only in the last couple of weeks I or so. I think Jeff Casperson might have played senior footy in the 59 season at Parwan Heads when they were... There was a photo of him yeah, somewhere yeah, that I've seen, yeah. Uh, because he, was, he and Max he and Max Wall were yep. two blokes from the from the older times that made that team. Yeah. And both came to the to that night when they we did. when they we did. um yeah. when we presented it. Yeah. Jeff and used to drop into played. the cricket club whenever he'd come down from Queensland and um, see how everything was going. Lovely bloke, absolute gentleman, and from all reports, a fantastic cricketer. And um, usually those blokes are pretty good footballers if they're doing the same thing. So yeah, that's right. Very sad to hear. Great yeah. bloke. Another one that's passed on. So we um, remember those people and uh, if their families are listening, we're thinking of you and, they, um, and the footy club at Barwon Heads is thinking of uh, the people who've lost somebody at uh, Ocean Grove and, and of, our own, of our own person. Only, I reckon we leave it go there. We... Um, we don't have a guest to say goodbye to. So no, we don't have uh, we don't have two truths and a. No, we don't have any, any of that. I, I I tell you what, you've done. I, I had no idea what we were going to talk about tonight, and I've hardly said a word. You've just held the thing beautifully. You've read some wonderful stuff, some wonderful history that a lot of people perhaps wouldn't have the time to sit and read. If we if you take it to a function, they, mm. they're not going to sit down and read it because they're going to catch up with people, and it's probably going to get lost, damaged. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So it's great that you could um, read some of it out and that people get to hear about what the footy club was about years ago. How yeah. it was reported is really interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'd love to, to get some of the old um, newspapers. And I'm, I've thought many times of going into the um, Heritage Centre and going through old, pa- yeah. old Addies and seeing what, what we could get. But yeah, that's fantastic stuff. Well done. No, it's enjoyable. I uh, dug a few up, as I say, and had a few sitting around, and uh, it's it's stuff that you know perhaps people haven't heard before. Perhaps they have, perhaps they know more than what we do, and they're not letting us know. But yeah. um, so, as I said, if anyone's listening and um, they want to uh, let us know about stuff, you can just photos and stuff they've been yeah. posting up on Facebook, um, and just if you just bring us stuff, we can get copies of it. And we'd love to read it out, some of the stuff. We might make that a – if we can, if we can get some more stuff, we might make that a little segment in our, yeah. in our yeah, tree on the wing when we get someone in and have a quick have chat. A, uh, yeah. Be really good. Nibber's mailbag. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, exactly right. That would be good to get some memorabilia. And uh, even, if you, uh, even if you know someone that was around the club years ago, have a chat to them, you know, point them in our direction on the Facebook page or the podcast and um, let them get in touch because we want to get as many Bowen Heads people, be it players, administrators, supporters, whatever, back around the club next year for the uh, centenary celebrations in one way or another. So, um, Well done, mate. Great. Thanks very much. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. What did you learn? Now, you brought all the uh, information, but right. you must have learned something. I'll tell you what I learned tonight, Teddy. What did you learn tonight? That it's bloody hard to get a car park in Hitchcock Avenue at quarter to seven on a Tuesday night. Oh, I found that too. In fact, I did not get a car park in Hitchcock Avenue. Oh, where have you parked? Clifford Parade. <laughs> Probably, what, in front of the Collier's old house? No, actually, it was just behind the old post office. I think they've still got a mail-only sign. Oh, yes, I've seen that. uh, Yeah, but uh, that's what I learnt tonight, Teddy. What what did you learn? What I learnt was that when Dennis Johnson won 
the league best and fairest in 1973, that not far behind him in third place was Brian Marshman. And for two blokes in the... Um, it sort of shows how much they did dominate in those times. Yeah. For two yeah. blokes in the uh, in the Seagulls' colours to come first and third in those days was is a terrific effort. And um, I didn't know that Marshy had had done that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I mean, it doesn't surprise me one bit at all. But um, exactly, exactly. And I also learned. I, I didn't learn. I was I was reminded that Stevie Pallon played in one of those premierships, and I had forgotten that. Yes, and that he was actually mentioned in dispatches in the in the write up to it, and yeah. as one of the people who would be have influence on the game. I think one of those photos that Chuka put up some time ago of an, an actual action shot of one of the grand finals. Steve's in that, yeah, with the famous number eleven, yep. and the uh, and the. I always thought it was a shark tattoo on his arm, but um, Bill corrected me. It was a dolphin. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. He was a big bloke, wasn't he? And he was a, yeah. he, he was uh, played a little bit of footy with him, not very much, but he was a very good player. Yes. For, he, he was well into his dotage when I got to play with him, and yeah. he slowed down a bit. But I remember one day him standing at centre half back in a seconds game and marking absolutely everything that came near him. And yeah. He was just a he was a tower, and he he just uh, pretty fearless, big big strong man, and. Um, Above all, he was great fun to play footy with and great fun to be around. Oh, Always exactly. great fun to be around. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. There's, there's many legendary stories about him. Alan's story about him, about the raffles, is one of my favourites. That, yes. the, that we, we, <laughs> for, for the whole of Christmas, we didn't have a raffle prize, but we uh, had a raffle every Thursday and Friday night down at the pub. Yeah, no, Fantastic. exactly. Exactly. All, All right, right, Nip, I'll let you. Close it off in the traditional fashion. Ladies and gentlemen, pick up your ass, pick up your glass, stop your talking and start your walking. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Cheerio. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope that was fun, and we'll catch you next time. If you've ever wondered what a 1920s aftermatch looked like, how teams came up with captains 100 years ago, or how the fabled hill got there, then all of those questions have now been answered. It was a bit of a risk recording a bloke reading from newspaper cuttings, but I hope you'll agree it turned out pretty well. Thanks to the Beach House for hosting us. Special thanks to Nipper for the suggestion, the eloquent readings, and the research. And thanks very much to you for listening. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and time is called and we must piss off.